This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you guys are all doing well. It is bright and early Wednesday morning as I'm recording this, dropping it on Thursday, which on Thursday when this drops, it's the first day of December. So it's a huge episode, beginning of the last chapter of 2022. We made it. We made it through a treacherous, magical, trying year. A lot of us learned a lot, and I can't speak for everybody, but I think we had some good stuff, we had some bad stuff, and here we are at the final bow of 2022. And so today's episode is going to be a good one. I have some really good stuff cooking, but before I get into that, I do just want to say thank you. I've been seeing a lot of people tagging me in their Spotify wrapped that they listen to this podcast and my other podcast, and that was one of your top podcasts of 2022. That means the world to me. I actually just saw a, I want to say like a memories photo. You know how your phone like randomly decides when to show you a slideshow? It's like, oh, you know, it's this random Tuesday, but I'm going to show you a slideshow of this traumatic moment in your life or this person you no longer speak to, like that sort of thing. But I got a random photo fed to me from when I was starting out my podcast, when I was starting out thick and thin. It's crazy how much time has passed since I've begun. Like I really just, if you asked me gun to my head, I'd be like, oh, I've been doing the podcast for like two years, but I've actually been doing this podcast for more like four years ever since I moved to New York. And I was actually on a date the other night, which I'm going to get into more in this episode, but he asked me how long I've been doing the podcast and how long I've been in New York. And I'm like, wow, both of those answers are pretty much the same thing because it's been about four years since I've moved here initially and four years since I started the podcast, just about. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I started it in a very weird place where I just wasn't feeling fulfilled at work and I wanted to communicate with you guys in a different way where I didn't need to be on camera because sometimes you have a lot to say, but you just don't feel like you want to be filmed. Like take it from me, a girl who has filmed her entire life, it's sometimes it's nicer just to lend your voice to whatever you want to talk about and not have to be on camera. So that is why I've loved the podcast. Now, of course, you guys know there's been a surge in people filming themselves like as they're recording and posting like sound bites and things on TikTok. And I really do want to get to a place someday where I can do that at least for my other podcast, my Match Made podcast, where it's with my friends. I feel like that would be valuable. But with this one, I just, I want it to be just like a a voice note almost, you know? It's like, I'm your friend. I'm sending you a long winded voice note about something that I've learned, something that's been on my mind, something that I care about. And that's really what I want this to be. Like, I don't need my face to be attached to it. You guys know what I look like. You don't need me. (laughs) Also, I just feel like it doesn't really add any value, but you know, people can disagree with me. It's more so I just like don't feel like it. So I won't be doing that with this podcast anytime soon, but who knows? If you want to know what I look like right now, I am sitting in a matching gray sweatsuit on my floor with my back against the couch and a mug of hot steaming coffee next to me. So that is all the visual that you really need. But today's episode is kind of a train of thought 
what was going through my head, honestly, just one of my good old fashioned analogies, but just kind of dragged out into a long episode, something I was thinking about when I was in the back of an Uber on the way to yet another first date. If you guys have been following the podcast for a while or just like the last couple of months, you guys know I met this guy in a very neat, cute fashion. We were all very excited. A lot of us were excited, myself included, being the person in the situationship. But, you know, things were great and then they weren't. And he decided he didn't want anything serious. And I had to come to the realization that I actually do want something serious. I don't need marriage right now. I don't need a kid. I don't need a house on the hill. But I do want someone to commit to me. And that is not too much to ask. So I decided to let that one go. And after like about a week, I decided, you know, I'm ready to go back into it. I'm ready to go back into the trenches. I felt healed. I felt like I was ready to go again. And honestly, I've learned that in dating, this podcast episode isn't going to be all about dating, let me assure you. But in dating in New York, I think it's crucial to let yourself have a break if you need it. If you need a break in between seeing people, if you need to mend yourself and get back up and whatever you need to do, do it. But I do think that time is kind of of the essence because as you go on a bunch of dates, you get very... I feel like the stress of it all kind of fades and you get more used to it. You know, it's like a muscle. If you don't use it, you will lose it. And I do feel like dating is one of those things where at first you're so nervous. If you haven't been on a date in months, you get so worked up and nervous before that first date. I still get a little tinge of nervousness, even if I've gone on a bunch of dates. Like I still do feel that, but I feel as though, you know, going on these five dates with this first guy, I was really getting used to it, used to the unknowns, used to the vibes of putting yourself out there and being literally one-on-one with someone and trying to analyze them and having them analyze you and like that sort of thing. So going on this second first date, my second act last week actually wasn't as hard because I, you know, I was kind of had gotten my nerves out of the way from the previous guy, if that makes sense. So I do feel like it is a muscle. If you go on a bunch of dates, you will feel less nervous. I promise you. If you're one of those people that just like can't bring yourself to go on a date on a dating app or like you can't bring yourself to get back out there after a long relationship that's ended, let me tell you, it gets better. It gets easier as you go about it, as you do more of it. I really do believe that. So anyway, that being said, I was on my way to my second act. I call it the second act, but like I suppose in being specific, like my second act in a few months because I really dedicated a lot of time to this first guy that I really saw to be promising. But I have, like, don't get it twisted. I've gone on a bunch of different dates this year. I've talked to a bunch of different guys on dating apps. I've talked to a bunch of different guys from friends of friends and all sorts of things this year. It's been a jam-packed year, I think, because we're finally out of the woods with COVID really bogging us down and making us worried. But yeah, I was on my way to this date, just letting myself, my mind wander. I was in the Uber just looking out the window, pretending my life is a music video, you know, the usual. And I had this like weird thought, not weird, but just like it like hit me in the brain, hit me hard. And I wrote it down in my notes section and I told myself I'd explore it later. And it all stems from an analogy because if there's one thing you need to know about me or one thing you probably do know about me from tuning into a lot of episodes or my YouTube videos or anything is that I love a good analogy. And I realized something as I was for the last time looking at this guy's Hinge profile because if you guys have ever been on a dating app date, you know that one of the most stressful parts is looking at this array of photos of a person and then walking into a bar or restaurant or wherever you're going and trying to accurately identify them, okay? Like you have this quick scan, you walk in the room, you do the quick scan around the room and you have to in that quick like five second span, if they're already there, identify them 
from these photos that you have in your memory. So I was just looking in the back of the car at his photo, trying to make sure that I was going to be able to recognize him. And this is just, you know, I'm always a little bit overprepared. I feel like I'm, you know, I I like to have control over situations. So maybe not everyone does this, but I was like trying to forge this guy's face into my memory. And as I was doing this, as I was giving like a once over to his profile again, as I was attempting to find him on Instagram, which I couldn't do because I didn't have his last name, I was thinking about this and I was thinking not only about romantic relationships, I was also thinking about just when you're trying to pursue any sort of relationship or trying to even decide if you want to follow someone on Instagram, like you're looking at an influencer that you think is cool, you discover their videos or something, you're like, should I follow them? Or any person that you've met, any person that you see in the background of a photo and you're like, oh, who is this person? Tap on them, go to their page, find their sister, find their mom, find their, you know, just the way that social media and dating apps and just the ways of advertising yourself on a phone in a digital sense. It led me to this question. Are dating apps, dating app profiles, I should say, dating profiles, Instagram profiles, you know, Facebook pages at the time when that was really popular to use, are these profiles the equivalent of movie trailers for people? Movie trailers, TV show trailers, you know, those like short little blips, like in a sense that a standard movie trailer is about two minutes and 30 seconds in length. That's the standard. While the average movie runtime is about two hours and 10 minutes. So we see roughly two minutes of two hours in a trailer. When we watch a trailer, we see the two minutes that the editors plucked out as being maybe the most compelling or the most confusing or who knows how they choose it all. And we're actually going to talk about that a little later in the episode, what I think. But, you know, we see a handful of five or six moments from a person's 20 plus years of life. Okay. We might not hear their voice unless they add one of those voice prompts to their dating profile or, you know, especially on Instagram or TikTok, you know, we may or may not hear their voice. But even without that, we might find out their favorite song. We'll find out a few details and perhaps get to know a little bit of them through internet stalking. And just from that, we have to decide whether or not we want to see the movie, aka the person. Like, and this can go not just for romantic things, but if you're pursuing maybe a new job, and you're trying to do some research on this company that you may or may not decide to be a part of, or they may or may not decide to let you be a part of it, you know, but you're trying to figure out a general vibe. Like you're trying to get a vibe for a company, for, I even do this when I'm about to go to a new restaurant. Like I'll check out their Instagram and try to get a vibe for the place and see if it's something I'd want to go to. And like, if they don't have a good Instagram presence, like that is a factor that I consider when I'm going somewhere, depending on what I'm going for. If I'm going for like someone's birthday or I'm trying to plan something very special, I want to make sure that the ambiance matches the food, you know? So that's another thing. But I was on my way to this first date after agreeing on a whim as like a bit of a pick me up after that first rejection. And, you know, I was determined. I was determined to see if the feature film, if this guy lived up to the trailer, aka the dating profile that I had looked over one too many times trying to figure out if he was worth seeing. Is that bad to say? Not that I don't think he's a great person, whatever, but for me, I'm like, are we compatible? Is this going to be a train wreck? Because after getting rejected the first time from this guy that I really had seen to be promising, I'm like, I can't afford another rejection right now. I need something that's going to be easy. And this guy seemed like a very chill, very normal, very sweet, attractive guy. I'm like, okay, I think this could be good. And it's very similar to when you're scouring Netflix or Hulu or wherever you're looking for a movie or TV show to watch. It's the same as, you know, when you're going through and you look at this trailer and you're like, okay, this doesn't look like it's going to be an absolutely mind-blowing experience. Like I'm not going to cry or not be able to sleep for 10 years. 
because it's like that scary of a movie or something like that. Like it's not going to reach out and grab me and shake me around, but it's going to be a feel good. It's going to be a movie that I'm going to get through and I will be happy that I watched it, but I won't be like, this was a life-changing experience. Like that is not to be mean to this guy, but that's how I feel about, I don't know, a lot of things like even a restaurant or I don't know, like a person that I like decide to follow. I'm like, this is great. This is easy like Sunday morning. This is good, you know? So even if you're in a committed relationship and aren't dating, like don't we do this sort of thing every time we meet someone we've just seen in photos prior, like maybe a friend of a friend that we've never met before, but we've seen them in their photos and may or may not have decided to click on them and do a little bit of back stalking, healthy social media stalking before we see them in real life. Like We make up, we kind of invent these preconceived notions of this person, even though we've never met them, but we are truly judging a book by its cover, but the cover that they gave us to look at, you know, because at the end of the day, you are choosing the content that lives on your page when you post it. Like that is a choice you make. And in a dating profile, when you're deciding which photos to use, that is a choice you're making. That is the trailer that you are creating for yourself. You know, it's hard not to make prior judgments on whether or not we think that the real thing is going to be worth the commute, worth the effort. We judge books by their covers with whatever little information that we have. And I do think it's a survival instinct, but we'll get into that more later. So let's zoom in on movie trailers, guys. I want to talk about some interesting stuff that I learned through digging because you guys know that's what I do best on Thick and Thin. I talk about my thoughts, my feelings. It's like a spoken diary, but I always like to layer in some facts, layer in some truth and some really interesting stuff that I find on the internet. So let's zoom in on movie trailers specifically for a second because these things really are so fascinating and how, like I said earlier, how people look at a two hour long movie and decide what two minutes and 30 seconds are worth plucking to put into a trailer. Like that takes some serious skill, I think, especially when you are so involved in the process of the movie that it almost gives you this tunnel vision where you think every single bit of the movie is perfect and amazing. So how do you almost put yourself into the shoes of the person watching as a movie producer, as an editor, as whoever makes those decisions and decide, you know, what gets to make it into the trailer and what makes a good trailer. And honestly, just hearing myself say that, hearing myself say, how do you decide as an editor, as a producer, which two minutes and 30 seconds to pluck for the trailer? It really does ring true to, or it really layers into what goes through someone's mind when they're trying to make a good Instagram profile. Like, what's your profile picture going to be? Or a hinge profile, like, which photos am I going to choose to highlight when you feel like you're so close to it? You know, you're so you're the person that knows yourself the best and has been along for the ride of your life with yourself. Like you're the only person that has been present in every single moment of you. So similar to someone who's involved in every single piece of or like, you know, is very close to a movie, maybe not involved in every single piece, but has seen the movie so many times, knows the movie forwards, backwards, upside down. How do you, knowing yourself, choose how to highlight yourself when you feel like you're so close to it that you almost need another perspective? And that's why I often ask my friends, I'm like, what do you think about this? Or I'll ask you guys on Instagram, what do you think about this new profile picture? Like, because when you're so close to it, it's so hard for you to decide how you should portray yourself. Like, it's hard for you to see how other people would see you. That's what I do all the time, honestly. Like, when I'm creating content on the internet or really making anything that I'm posting publicly, I watch it once after I post it from a different person's perspective. And I feel like a lot of us do this, especially if we have a crush or like, someone that we really, you know, that is viewing our Instagram stories or someone that we really respect and is viewing our stuff. If we're trying to apply for a new job and we're submitting something and we not only see it from our perspective the first time we create it, but then we watch it 
and we attempt to see it from someone else's point of view. Like I watch it through maybe once again as a potential new relationship or romantic prospect. And then I watch it again as maybe a brand who's viewing my content that I want to work with. Or We're always attempting to see our lives and what we portray from another person's point of view, but it's impossible for us to do that. Like we're just kind of hoping that we can do it accurately. But at the end of the day, you know, we can only see it from our perspective and what we know and our previous knowledge of what went into it, you know, it's just very interesting. But Okay, I'll have more personal thoughts after, but I do want to tell you guys a little bit about what goes into making the perfect movie trailer and a story about a guy that I'm pretty confident not many of us have heard of, and his life is very interesting as well. So story time, guys. We love it. So producers of movie and TV show trailers might not all agree on the exact, like, this is the science, this is what happens in a trailer, this is how many people to include and what kind of music to include and what kind of voiceover to include. Like, not every... TV show and movie trailer producer will agree on what makes the perfect trailer, but they all understand that they're not selling an entirely fully baked narrative, a fully baked movie, but an abstract glimpse of one. Like they want in two minutes and 30 seconds or less to get the person to watch the movie. Honestly, we can probably all agree the best trailers are ones where it doesn't show you everything. Like you don't know what's going to happen because isn't that the whole point of getting to the theater or buying it on whatever streaming platform, like that's the point is not knowing what's going to happen, right? Like leaving enough air of mystery to it. So I found this quote, they play on emotional impact, trailers do, set up situations and produce an overall feel, both aesthetic and emotional very quickly. Because at the end of the day, it is a two minute and 30 second trailer. So this was a quote from film expert, Dr. Chris Rivetto Baggioli of Edinburgh University. And I'll have all my sources linked, of course. Trailers are essentially sales pitches disguised as entertainment and even art. Like you've seen a good trailer where you're like, wow, you're breathless afterwards. You're like, I have to see that. That showed me nothing but everything and nothing. Everything that I needed to see to know that I need to see the movie, but also nothing at the same time, you know? Like I think that's the best trailer. Maybe not nothing, but it's just so abstract and unclear, but you see the characters, you get to know maybe the character for a quick second. You think you know them well enough to want to see the movie, you know? And in my experience of watching quite a few movie trailers in my lifetime, like I'm a big movie trailer person. Like sometimes I'll go on Netflix or wherever and I'll just watch like a dozen trailers or like 50 trailers in one sitting and not even decide to watch a movie. Like I'll just watch the trailers and I'm like, okay, that's enough. Good night. I need to go to bed because I either can't decide or I'm just like, you know what? I don't really feel like watching a full movie right now. So I'm just going to watch a trailer. Like, I don't know if I'm the only person that does that, but most trailers I find either show too much or just not enough or they're perfect. Like I'd say there's three different kinds of trailers, right? Like they show too much, not enough, or just the right amount. It's like a Goldilocks situation, right? Like too soft, too hard, just right. Or sometimes they make a movie look a whole lot better than they actually are. Like I've definitely been there where I've seen a trailer. I'm like, this is amazing. I need to see it. I watch the movie and I'm let down, disappointed. And I was curious if this was an actual fear that movie producers or movie trailer producers, whoever works on a trailer has. Like, do they fear that it'll be a letdown, like the full movie or like, I don't know. Are they almost worried more so about the trailer not being good enough so people won't get their foot in the door to watch the movie, you know? And I think about that in many areas of my life. I'm like, do people see an accurate picture of who I am? Like, are they even going to give me a chance? Like from this profile they see, like, am I doing a good job portraying who I am? Am I not doing a good enough job? Like, 
and does it even matter? You know, like that's what I think about. This is what goes on in my brain, guys. I have a weird twisted brain, I think. But there was this interview that I read about uh, the CBS interview. And in the interviewer asked, do you ever worry that sometimes the trailer will be better than the movie itself? And this was an interview with this guy named Matt Brubaker. He's a movie trailer producer at this company, very accurately called Trailer Park. And he said, no, I mean, that's the goal. Well, I shouldn't say it for the filmmakers, but if the trailer is better than the movie, I mean, that will get people at least to the theaters. But isn't that a bit misleading? I don't know. Like, I don't know the ethics of this sort of thing because... At the end of the day, people have a job to do, right? But trailers, we can all agree, they're essentially sales pitches disguised as entertainment. They get people in the door and to buy a ticket, even if they aren't too happy to be there once they realize what they're actually watching. And if you're craving a little story, please allow me to spin a little tale for you now about this guy named Don. And I'm going to tell you a story about him. And I'd say about 90% of you guys listening have never heard of this guy named Don. And you might be wondering why I'm talking about a random guy named Don on Thick and Thin, even though 90% of you haven't heard of him or seen his face or seen his name. I'd say 99% of you guys, depending on when you were born, have heard his voice. Don LaFontaine found his life calling after spending some time in the U.S. Army. And while he was serving, Don worked as a recording engineer for the Army Band and Chorus, where he developed an appreciation for recording, production, and film. And when Don's time with the Army came to an end, he moved to New York, as many of us do. We come here for things to happen to us. So Don moved here to New York City, and he took up a job working as a radio engineer at the National Recording Studios. In 1962, Don was asked to work on some radio spots. And I had a feeling, I'm like, radio spots? I think that that means radio ads, but I'm not sure. And I had to Google it. And yes, it's another way to say a radio commercial. So those things that come on when you're listening to the radio because either the Bluetooth or aux doesn't work or, you know, or you're just listening to the radio. Because when I go home, honestly, when I was home this past week for Thanksgiving and I drive my mom's car, I kind of love listening to the radio. Like it does bring me back to a different time because I think a lot of us are focused on our playlists and curating the music we listen to and choosing the music we listen to. And I like not choosing sometimes and having someone else choose for me. And that's why I do appreciate the radio still. But you know, those annoying commercials that come on in between songs. Well, Don... Our friend Don worked with a producer named Floyd Peterson to make these radio spots back in 1962. And many of his ideas that went into crafting the perfect radio spot, the perfect commercial, were used. And this boosted Don's confidence. And the following year, Don and producer Floyd Peterson, the guy that he worked with on these spots, got together with an idea to create ads for something a bit larger than just radio. Together, they started a movie advertising business, and they wanted to produce movie trailers for big studios. That was their goal. Don primarily worked on the behind-the-scenes ideas and production of the movie trailers that they worked on, but he didn't have any experience at this point in acting or announcing or voiceover work. But a few years into working on this production, a mix-up prevented one of the announcers that they had hired from making a recording session. So they hired these announcers that came in that were trained voice actors to come in and voice these trailers, right? So they had to have something to share with MGM. Like they were working with MGM to create this trailer or batch of trailers. And Don was freaking out as I would too, if there was a no show or someone was sick, you know, you have to still produce something. You have to come up with something either at a later date or just get 
you know, crafty with it. So Don stepped in. He filled in and he lent the trailer his voice instead. And I can't imagine how worried he must have been, like turning in work that wasn't what was promised, like his voice. And sometimes you can get that imposter syndrome feeling, especially when you weren't supposed to be doing it in the first place, but you feel like, oh my God, someone's going to listen to this and laugh and be like, who does this guy think he is? But to his surprise and everyone's surprise, MGM saw the trailers and loved them. And because of this, because of this mix-up, Don realized his life calling. He would go on to be called Thunderthroat or the voice of God and the king of movie trailers. And in Don's lifetime, he voiced more than 5,000 film trailers and hundreds of thousands of TV ads, network promotions, and video game trailers. He was a talented writer who often wrote his own ads and was a movie trailer legend. He's most famous for the way that he said the phrase, in a world which you've definitely heard if you've seen any major film released before like 2008 when Don sadly passed away at the age of 68. So he was voicing films up until his death and he has been gravely missed. Like I always get this surge of nostalgia when I hear his voice in a trailer, like one of those OG classic movies. Like he voiced a lot of those classic movie films or trailers, I should say, because, you know, hearing that makes me nostalgic because it means that that film is old enough to have been watched by me for the first time at a younger age. He was such a legend. In a 2007 interview, Don explained the strategy behind his signature catchphrase in a world where, like, that is his signature thing. He did it as, like, a spoof in, like, a Geico commercial in 2006 or 7 or something like that. Like, he was known for this phrase, and he wrote that phrase. Like, he, as I said, was not only a voiceover actor, but he also was a writer. And he said in an interview in 2007, he said, we have to very rapidly establish the world we're transporting them to. And that's very easily done by saying, in a world where you very rapidly set the scene. And there you have it, straight from the camel's mouth. First impressions and how you go about forming that first impression via a well-made and well-paced trailer or a really good profile or just the way that you present yourself, the things, the accomplishments that you talk about, or like, you know, the way that you set up a first date even, these things matter. And I don't mean to stress anyone out through this, but they do matter. Like thinking about it and, you know, maybe the time that you put into how you portray yourself, like that is, it's important. It's important. Vimeo says the best trailers follow this recipe. Number one, introduce you to the main characters. Number two, set up the central conflict of the film. And number three, end on a major cliffhanger, leaving the conflict unresolved. And they say, if you do this successfully, you'll create empathy for your character and viewers will be dying to see how they get through the conflict. I think the big buzzword there, you guys already know what I'm going to say, is empathy. Like creating this empathy, like Anytime you're creating anything that someone else is going to view and make a judgment of you because they're going to make a judgment of you no matter what. Like if you're trying to apply for a new job and you're putting together your resume or you're deciding which stories, like if you're, I think about it even if I'm like writing a college application essay, like, you know, those college entrance essays that you wrote, I actually got a scholarship, very small scholarship, but still a scholarship for the essay that I wrote to get into college. My parents love talking about that still to this day. I actually, fun fact, wrote about my YouTube channel and- that's what got me a little baby scholarship to Elon. But the way that you like choose to portray yourself, choose the things from your life that you choose to highlight, the images, the outfits, the moments that you pluck and decide to be representative, like your movie trailer, the whole goal is to create empathy or to 
you know, get to that person's level and show them like, this is me and we're kind of on the same playing field or like we've had the same fears in our lives. We've gone through the same things. Even if you're talking to someone way older than you, like someone can like get to know you. And I think that's why I've been successful on social media even is because my biggest goal, obviously my biggest goal is to create content that people feel seen by and they feel like it's a warm hug. Like that's always been at the back of my brain. I'm like, when I'm making this, is this going to make someone feel worse about themselves or better about themselves or maybe just something inspiring? I don't know. But you do search for that empathy, I think. So when I was in the car on the way to the date, I briefly thought about what would the voice of God say looking at my dating app profile or my Instagram page as a movie trailer? Like what would it say? What would it say? And I'm trying to think like off the top of my head, like a five foot five, short brown hair, blue eyes girl who wears cute dresses and drinks martinis is once again on the road looking for love. Will she prevail? Will she crash and burn? Only time will tell. In a world, (laughs) in a world, in a city where no one wants to settle down, will she figure it out in theaters this December? Some of us are serial trailer watchers where we just watch, like I said earlier, a string of trailers and never give any of them a chance. And I'll find myself clicking on a movie that I've seen the trailer for sometimes a million times, but I've never actually seen the full movie. And it's because maybe the trailer is better than the movie or I just decide like, you know, I watch the whole thing only to remind myself that it's, you know, no matter how many times I'm going to go back to this one movie and click on the movie and watch the trailer, I'm not going to watch the full movie. I still don't think it looks good. I still won't watch it. And with the trailer, I've seen enough to know that I know it in my gut. This person isn't right. And so, you know, you swipe left on the trailer. With dating apps and even browsing like a potential new job, new friends, social media or website or whatever, like it's a bit harder to get that gut feeling that we get with a movie trailer. It all feels a little bit too superficial and we kind of feel bad for being so judgmental. And that's the one thing that nags at me while I'm swiping. Like, am I being too harsh when I swipe left on someone who actually could have been promising once I got past the exterior of their profile? And I'm not talking maybe like physical appearances exclusively. I'm also talking about their actual photos, the stories they tell along with their name, their age, their job, their college, etc. When I try to play their life movie in my head, or the life movie that maybe we could have together, I'm not sure that I like it or that I will like it based on the trailer that I'm seeing on their profile. And you might feel bad about that at first, but at the end of the day, like they're doing the same thing to you. And yeah, this analogy, (laughs) this movie trailer person's life story analogy, like might be a little bit far-fetched, but this is what goes on in my head. So I think the most agonizing part of modern relationships, romantic and friendship and job-based, all of the relationships that you attempt to form, in the beginning, it can kind of feel like you're at the part of the movie where you're not really sure what's going to happen. And that is the most stressful part because it really could go a number of different ways. We've seen a million movies in our lifetime. We know that even if a movie starts out the same as this other movie we've seen, like it could take a total nosedive turn. Like I remember when I saw the trailer for Don't Worry Darling with Harry Styles, Florence Pugh, Olivia Wilde, Chris Pine and more. So many characters in that movie, so many actors, I mean. I remember when I saw the trailer for that, I really thought that it was going to be this like lighthearted rom-com. And then they throw in like little sinister bits into the trailer, but it's still like, I remember going to see this movie and a bunch of my friends that hadn't seen it. We were all kind of in agreement that it was going to be like a really heartwarming, like maybe a little bit creepy, but like mostly love, maybe a love triangle. Like we thought it was going to be a romantic like 1950s rom-com. 
maybe not calm, but like rom, maybe drama. And I couldn't have been more wrong. I'm not going to spoil the movie if you guys haven't seen it, but it definitely is a lot different. So, but you can sometimes, you know, go into something and think, I can kind of see where this is going to go. And then you might be totally wrong because, you know, a bunch of movies, their bare bones are the same. Like you start out with a lot of scene setting, things are normal, you're getting to know the person, the main characters, things are going pretty well, and you're just kind of waiting for something to happen to spice things up, like maybe a tragedy or a blindsided realization or just something that's going to mix things up with the character and maybe things will get even better. And you're like, okay, wait, it hasn't happened yet. You're waiting. You're on the edge of your seat for waiting for something to happen. It hasn't happened yet. And then you're really on the edge of your seat and then things maybe get bad and then unexpectedly, boom, like a car crash, things change, things get bad. And so I feel like sometimes I'm bracing myself for that to happen in the relationships I'm in just because I know how other ones have gone. And it can be hard to train yourself out of that and just take every moment as it comes and not base it on previous things that have happened in other relationships. Like if you're starting a new job and you had a really toxic work environment at your last job and you're starting this new job and you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, you're waiting for something to happen and it doesn't happen. It almost makes you more anxious waiting for it to happen. It's like, you know, it's like you're in a horror film and everyone around you is like Katie, like me being the character in the movie that kind of knows something's going to happen, like has that inkling, has that feeling that something's going to go wrong and someone's going to die or something's going to, you know, something's going to happen. And everyone around you is like, Katie, chill. Like you're being paranoid. Like things are fine. So-and-so isn't an axe murderer. Like it's fine. And then you feel like you're being crazy for psychoanalyzing and for being judgy and basing things on your past experiences. But I do think it's a survival instinct. We don't forget, okay? We don't forget. Even if we do, we don't forget. Maybe we'll forget some details, but we still have a feeling associated. We still remember every experience we've gone through, even if we don't remember it fully into detail, if that makes sense, right? So anyway, that's just us trying to protect ourselves, but it can be us getting in our own way sometimes. And not everything is a horror movie. Not every experience is going to be a horror film. Like one of these days, it's going to be something really great. And yeah, there's going to be some harder things sprinkled throughout because that's just how life is. But you can't get yourself so worked up and so, you know, rooted in this feeling like you know it's going to go badly any second now. Like you can't live your life like that. And that's what I've decided I need to be like. Like when I'm going on these dates, I have to stay optimistic. I have to keep my heart open. Even if I've been burned in the past, even if I've had these bad experiences, like it doesn't mean that it's going to happen again. Like it doesn't. And even if it does, it's not my fault for not seeing it coming. It's not my fault for starting something, even though I had this feeling like it's okay. We're not going to be these perfect predictors of how things are going to go. And like, you can't predict how things are going to go. You simply can't, even if you dedicate your whole life to trying to see how things are going to go, like you really don't know. You really don't know. There's such a level of unpredictability in all of our lives. And we can't predict how each character we introduce is going to fare. Anyway, so first impressions and the trailer that you watched won't prepare you for the unexpected or prepare you for anything really. Even if you do the most possible social media stalking or psychoanalyzing as deeply as you can, is it ever possible to truly know what you're getting yourself into? Like, you know, like we've said, the trailer could be way better than the movie. The trailer could be a flop and the movie was way better and didn't accurately portray it. Or it can be this, you know, middle ground somewhere. Like, yeah, is it ever possible to truly predict, to truly know a person and know how things will go with them? Even after months or years of spending time with them, you still might not be ready for the curveball 
okay? Curveballs can always be thrown. And this is why allowing your heart to be open enough to enter any new relationship or friendship or job, diving into anything of the sort where another person's story meshes with yours and kind of becomes intertwined with yours, it is courageous. It is a true act of courage. It is, okay? And this is what I remind myself as you know, I feel the nerves creeping in. I'm walking in the door of this first date and I don't know if I'm even going to be able to recognize him from his pictures. And I don't even know if I'm going to get through this. And it could be the worst date ever or the best date ever, the start of something absolutely magical or just another flop. And you just don't know. And that's the reason why we watch a movie, everyone. That is the reason why we watch a TV show or a movie because we want to be surprised. Because, you know, like I said, if, if the trailer shows you everything that's in the movie, you're not going to want to watch the movie. Like the trailer, it gives you just enough. Then you watch the movie and you walk away from it with a new story under your belt that you didn't know that someone else created, that someone else invented. But you watch a movie because you want to be surprised. You want to be entertained. And isn't entertainment all really rooted in surprise? So that's why we have to get out of our comfort zones. We have to go watch the movies. We have to go watch the movies, okay? Even if the trailer is kind of like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, you have to allow yourself to try because that's how you get stronger. That's how you get smarter. Every story or movie or tale that you watch and you get to know and you see through, it makes it easier also for you to decide next time when you're watching a very similar trailer, though you'll actually never fully without fail be able to tell. Obviously, like I said, like there's no foolproof way of knowing what you're getting yourself into with any trailer, with any person, with any social media profile, with any job website, with anything, with any representation of what you see before you embark on a new relationship. Like you'll never know, but it will make you smarter and you'll begin to see the signs of whether or not someone is clearly not for you or for you or a job is fully not for you or for you. You'll know. You'll be smarter as you see more movies. Like, I feel like I'm a smarter person because I watch a lot of movies and I read a lot of books because I've allowed myself to be surprised. I've allowed myself to be entertained with a story that I didn't make up myself in my head and that isn't my story, you know? I think it makes you smarter, it makes you better, and it's a true act of courage going to see the movie. So... Anyway, guys, thank you for letting me entertain you with this uh, very long-winded analogy that became this week's episode of Thick and Thin. Hope you guys enjoyed the story of Dawn. Rest in peace, voice of God. And I will talk to you guys all next Thursday with a new story from history, thought that's going on in my head, and maybe an update on my dating life. Who knows? I'll talk to you guys then and have a great rest of your week. Bye. Bye. 